Before we start the show, if you want more stock talking, check out my newsletter at tinyletter.com slash bbrostoff or visit postcoronastocks.com. You can find me on Twitter at at BMB21. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Stock Talking, an exploration of financial markets in the context of the post-corona world. COVID-19 has changed the way we value equity, debt, and business as a whole. My goal is to find great companies who can thrive in the new normal. I can't wait to get started. All right, welcome to another episode of Stock Talking. It is September 20th, uh, and the market has been down a little bit. Uh, Really, tech is in this kind of extended correction uh, from where we've been the last couple of weeks. But uh, before we get to all that, the impervious is with us. Uh, welcome back to the show. Pleasure is always. It's a, it's a fun week in the market when you see that stonks uh, go up and go down. So, you know, there's lots of lots of excitement. Uh, maybe maybe not everyone agrees there, but uh, happy to be back as usual. Yeah, stocks going down a good amount recently. So, so what's up? What's happening with the market right now? So... Based on the last week, you know, we, we saw a, a few things that uh, I think, you know, have, have people a little confused as far as what the direction would be. So we ended the week uh, right around 3.30.50, but had seen some, some heavy selling um, after a, a pretty critical uh, high and failure on Wednesday uh, in the SPY around uh, 342.50. So it looked like we were on our way to a rebound. And then right about the time of Jerome Powell's speech following the uh, FOMC minutes on Wednesday, uh, we saw a spike and then a failure at that level and a big sell-off. Uh, for me, sort of panicked and got into some, some puts there because uh, it definitely looked like there's a downward trajectory that continued all the way into Friday. Um, with a little bit of a bounce. So basically what, what we've been seeing after you know, that, that big sell-off right at the beginning of, of September is really the market's been in this, this balance area between SPY uh, at the high end 342.50 and the low end around 330 or 331, which we, we dipped below briefly on Friday. Uh, indicators are, are looking pretty, pretty ugly here, closing below 50-day moving average on both the, the SPY and the Qs. Also, the RSI at the lowest level it's been basically since the very end of March and beginning of April. Uh, so there's a lot to, to indicate that perhaps further down is the way to go, uh, but we'll get into this in a bit. I think that we may just be finding either more balance or potentially another move up from here, uh, just because other than that, it doesn't look like a whole lot has really changed uh, in terms of a, a strong direction, possibly even just working off some of that overbought condition um, that we'd had with that, that big blow off top um, peaking right at, right at the beginning of September. So we, we did see some selling, not maybe a bit of panic selling, but with, with VIX dropping basically the whole time, it's some of the most orderly selling I suppose one, one could really ask for. So I've got my, my prognostications about where we're going from here. But as, as with every week, we're, we're looking at sort of a make or break early part of the week in terms of a move lower could open up much lower. But um, I don't think that this, this bull market's ready to really kick it just yet. Yeah, this is kind of been going on for a couple of weeks now. And I, I think everyone is trying to wrap their head around, is this a healthy correction or has some fundamental 
market thing changed in terms of the view on COVID or the view on what earnings companies are going to produce on, in the future. I have a feeling it may be a, a combination of both. It's never as easy as one or the other. Um, for the companies I own, I, I nothing really has changed for me. So I feel like this has been a buying opportunity. I've, I've added a bit to a couple positions uh, since we kind of hit that 330 area on SPY. But uh, yeah, interested to hear your thoughts, like what's it going to take to turn this market around? And do you have a, a opinion on whether this is technicals based or there are broader concerns about the market and we could be headed for lower? Yeah, so from from where I'm sitting here in my 10,000 foot view in this this great ivory castle of mine, uh, I definitely see a lot of cause to think that we, we may be seeing a, a temporary bottom now, you know, definitely long term sort of leaning bearish looking out towards the election beginning of November. Um, but here we are the 20th of September. Uh, I still think we have plenty of time, especially considering how much is on the line with the election to think that things go up. But uh, some of the indicators to me that point to the fact that I think we may have hit the bottom and are moving up um, are definitely the Dix Dark Pool Index and Gex Gamut Exposure. So the Dix, uh, which spiked right before that big sell-off um, from the all-time highs, steadily been rising, um, basically indicating that the bearish sentiment is growing more and more bullish. Uh, which has been more or less at odds with the price action over the last week. But we also saw the gamma exposure dip briefly into negative territory on Thursday. Again, gamma exposure basically means how much uh, exposure the, the options dealers have uh, in terms of how much they are affected by uh, a $1 movement in a particular ticker. So if there's a lot of gamma exposure, uh, that means the dealers... Um, are, are exposed in any movement and will basically put the brakes on on any movement in that direction. So if we saw the GEX uh, continuing negative, that would definitely mean, you know, there's, there's more selling ahead, but uh, there's a, a lot of exposure there. So there's going to be a lot of opposing forces against that selling. Um, but coming out of that negative territory Friday and back into the positive zone uh, definitely indicates that there is uh, some more call buying going on out there and some some bullishness as opposed to an escalating uh, amount of bearishness. Uh, and with the gamut exposure still real low, if there is a, a rally at the beginning of the week that gains some momentum, there's not much to put the brakes on it there. So we could definitely see a, a nice rip up, potentially even testing the top of that balance area uh, in the 340 range. Uh, but at the same time, if there is selling, it definitely won't be checked uh, as heavily as it would be if that, that gamut exposure level was going down. But looking at a, a macro view here, I think there's not much that's really changed as we've been talking about and certainly since the last time we talked. Um, you know, what we got out of Jerome Powell speaking, still have uh, plenty of, of uh, tools at their uh, disposal for, for everything. So nothing really new, but basically we've seen the Fed resuming repo operations uh, and increasing their balance sheet. Um, they haven't really stated that they're going to start buying up uh, equities um, at a, a higher rate, but we definitely know that if a deep sell gets going, um, that's something that will also definitely check any, any deep heavy sell-off, at least in the short term. Uh, and liquidity is as high as it's ever been thanks to the central banks. So a liquidity crunch is not something that I think 
is a, a at the present moment, or at least in the week ahead, uh, catalyst to bring things down. Uh, and the dollar, uh, even though it's been in this range between 92 and 93, at least the DXY, the dollar index, um, it's failed every time to break out above 93 and has been staying in a pretty steady down channel. So it looks to continue moving down uh, with the Fed's stated goal of inflation. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the VIX has been pretty flaccid, not really responding to any of the selling. Um, and the UVXY, my favorite instrument for trading uh, volatility, uh, was down a little under 5% on the week. You know, that's a, a leveraged uh, ETN. Um, but despite the fact that the charts point to bearishness, uh, any of the other indicators that point to, you know, just general overall sentiment and positioning seem to indicate that this might be some type of accumulation, especially with volume coming up. And also some, some sector rotation and consolidation, uh, which all definitely points to a healthier environment. So I'm pretty bullish right now, but that is on a short lease as usual and definitely reserve the right to change my mind at a moment's notice with, with the right price action. But right now, I think it's potentially a good time to uh, get some great value in the short term for, for trading some, some short calls, if that's your thing. Two quick reactions. One, a comment. The other, a question. So... The first is on uh, the dollar and kind of some of the Fed actions. As you said, liquidity is uh, you know, continues to trend upwards as the Fed pumps more money into the economy. Uh, you know, looking at the sector returns for the year, it really shocked me to see that gold has outperformed tech. As amazing as tech has been, if you look at year-to-date returns and even returns since the COVID high that we hit on February 20th, um, gold outperforming tech by a pretty significant margin. Um, I, I posted something on my Twitter feed about this. I encourage people to check it out. But something you really wouldn't have thought at the beginning of the year, I think you can credit the Fed for most of that rally, um, but, but pretty interesting stuff. The next thing I kind of want to double click on were some of your comments on the election. So I know you just mentioned it briefly, but I think you know when we start to look two months out, you know, whatever, we're 40 days plus um, from this whole election event, the, the common consensus opinion seems to be that there's going to be more volatility in the market and there, there are certainly some tail end outcomes that could drive the market into bear market territory or you know, have the VIX spike or what have you. Um, my big question is why isn't this priced in? And I think it's pretty clear to anyone following the news that there's going to be some complications around voting and COVID. It's probably likely we know that we won't know the winner for a week or more. Um, and, you know, I, I think when there is a winner, I, I think both parties, you know, I'm not going to get into politics and, I'm not saying which one is better for society, but I think uh, regardless of who wins, I think either candidate has advantages they can bring to the market in the this kind of secular bull story I think we're in. So what, what I mean to say is here, I don't think um, either, either candidate would impact the market all that much. Um, that's part one. And part two is when it comes to uncertainty around uh, tallying up the votes, you know, if there, first of all, I still feel like you continue to have a, a put uh, based on the Fed being there. The Fed can do whatever it wants to calm the markets. You know, they could certainly buy equities, and I think that has to be on the table. Um, and second of all, just from a like fundamental analysis perspective, you know, it's not like shops shut down or like customers don't come because they're worried about who the president is, right? Like all this stuff is kind of just political gossipy chip chat. That I tend, I mean, maybe I, I'm not thinking about it clearly enough, but I, I fail to see how it will have any impact on the companies I, I follow. So tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm right. What are your thoughts on uh, like how volatility and how the market would re react to specific election outcomes? Well, I'll say that you are right until proven wrong, as with anything. But uh, the, the, the 
major volatility spike and uh, sort of risk lying out there in the future is definitely around the election. And to your point, not so much the candidate uh, that gets selected as much as the uncertainty around the process. Uh, and particularly the fact that this turmoil, uh, should this be what happens, which, you know, since everyone is expecting it, seems like it'd be a disappointment if it doesn't. Um, so to, to your question about it being priced in, I would find it hard to believe it isn't, but you know, until it actually happens, we don't really know how the price will react. Uh, but with, with that sitting out beyond the election, I think in the short term, uh, to to be missing out on a short term rally, you know, again from your for your, your perspective, long term investing in certain areas, I think this is definitely a great opportunity to buy a dip because to your point, you know, the the nature of business isn't changing even if taxation is is different under one uh, administration versus the other, but that doesn't change that a particular you know business or market sector is uh, finding you know growing. Uh, opportunity in additional inflows of cash. So that certainly doesn't change. And if there is um, a major effect on the value of some of those companies, I think long term, you can look to, you know, definitely capitalize on buying the dip. Now, there, there are big players, someone like Apple, you know, where changing in, in Chinese relations could affect a lot of their business. But in other spaces, especially the uh, cloud and SaaS spaces we've talked about much before, um, that you know are, are operating in a different sort of paradigm, not necessarily selling physical widgets and tied to a supply chain. You know, definitely seem pretty impervious to to anything like that. But in the most part, for the most part, I do think you know needing to fade uh, politics, um, at least when it comes to the presidential race itself. You know, whether it's Trump or Biden uh, is pretty key because trading based on politics is is never kind of a winning strategy. But I think that there's definitely so much on the line and so much uh, invested not just uh, dollar wise but in, metaphorically speaking in um, the the state of of the stock market especially for the Trump administration so there's if anything only going to be an escalation of all of the means that have really pumped things up in the short term and I don't think we should expect that paradigm to change but uh, if anything only escalate and accelerate um, but I do think that there's definitely the chance, as everyone is expecting, for uh, something in the November timeframe and beyond. And that's definitely being priced in, at least from a premium standpoint, um, for, for things like fixed contracts out in that range. Um, but that's, you know, if, if we are wrong there and stocks continue to go up, which I think is potentially a, a risky uh, uh, sentiment at, at this point, but um, I'm not trying to short the market as heavily as I would be, you know, in November at this present point in time. I think there is definitely a lot to, to still um, drive this, this bull market up in the short term. And to your point about gold real quick, uh, it's, it, it's funny you're pointing out that gold is, is outperforming tech because I believe gold was also uh, voted or announced as the most frustrating asset this last week, which, you know, must come on behalf of the BuzzFeed of the uh, the FinTwit community. Um, but I, I still see a lot of bullishness around gold, which is probably the best representation of inflation in action. Uh, and even though it's typically been considered a, a risk off asset um, or, or a hedge in some ways, really now it's just sort of an inverse for the dollar and its shrinking value. Uh, even though QE is inherently inflationary with the trend being down for the dollar, that means asset prices are going to continue up. That means gold's going to continue up. Uh, and none of the metrics provided by the government, Fed, economists, or otherwise really matter other than the gold price. So if we do rip higher, that definitely means gold is going with it. 
Um, that doesn't mean that gold can test some some newer lows. Definitely, you know, potentially as low as as uh, 1850 for gold futures right now. It's sitting around uh, 1955. But move higher in the future is going to continue to to be the move. And you know, I've mentioned gold miners plenty in the past. I've seen a lot of accumulation, especially in names like Newmont, uh, Yamana Gold, and Kinross Gold over the last week. So um, I think people are starting to take uh, not just gold but gold miners pretty seriously. Um, with uncertainty in the markets, it does seem pretty certain exactly what the monetary and fiscal policy is going to be driving it. And that's really only going to do one thing for, for gold and precious metals. Yeah, I can't resist myself on this gold discussion. You know what hasn't inversely tracked the market? Uh, Bitcoin. So to all the people out there who are saying Bitcoin is an inflation hedge, I'm very open to doing the research and I want to understand Bitcoin as an asset class. But as of the last year, it has not behaved like an inflation hedge. And it has not behaved like an uncorrelated asset that doesn't track the market. Um, okay, want to get to your picks. Um, I did want to throw out one options trade or more a general class of trade uh, and get your thoughts on it because I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Uh, every time I run the options prices or the, um, the actual fake DFS prices for the stocks we're trading uh, for the free game we play, I noticed that all the tech names are the highest implied volatility. This makes complete sense, of course, like, Fastly and Cloudflare, um, and even like Apple when it was kind of on its massive bull run, are, are somehow viewed as more volatile names than the cyclicals um, and kind of more boring stocks in the market or older industry stocks. I think what's strange about this is I actually think they're more stable and uh, kind of more robust as businesses. So you look at something like ServiceNow continues to be my favorite example. But we, we could also throw Fastly in this customer, this uh, this list in terms of churn and relationship with customers. I mean, uh, Fastly, and also include Cloudflare, Atlassian, uh, ServiceNow. I mean, a whole host of these SaaS companies, they all have 96, 97, 98% retention rates. Uh, average tech spot size per customer is increasing. So, you know, it's like you have these really nice tailwinds and you have amazing retention. So the business is actually a lot more stable than the cyclical company or even like consumer discretionary in some cases. We don't know what's going to happen to the consumer. Um, I'd much rather be selling to kind of Fortune 500 businesses that have nice cash positions than consumers that are uh, you know, very much tied to stimulus spending. So I don't understand why implied volatility is higher for tech. I understand their, the valuations are kind of stretched, but I think it doesn't really tie well with what's happening at a business level. So my recommendation is take advantage of these high premiums to sell some puts. And uh, you know, worst case, your upside's capped. Best case, I actually would want to get exercised on some of these because there are plenty of names I can think of uh, where I, I would love to buy like a Twilio at a 15% discount to where it is now. Um, even with the correction we've had over the last couple of weeks, I still feel like from names I've already owned, my cost basis is so low compared to where they are now. Um, I'd love to get the stock to be a little bit lower. Um, so selling puts, I, I think I might be doing some of that, especially if we see the VIX climb a bit higher. Uh, but that is my options trade of the week. It's funny I have one because I'm usually the one listening to your options trades. But uh, let's hear your picks. And if you have any thoughts on that trade, I want to hear them as well. Yeah, so I, I know that selling puts and, and also covered calls are some of your favorite strategies out there. And, and right to your point at the very end, um, I definitely like to see VIX a lot higher than it is now. Uh, to feel like there is a worthwhile risk reward on just selling puts. Um, but to your point there, yeah, so implied volatility, which is basically just a measure of how big 
um, of a range a price could have over a specified time frame, and then one standard deviation is priced as the implied volatility, at least in options contracts. So if a stock has moved up a lot, the IV will be high. It's, it's increased its range, but also sold off a lot. Um, that also increases its range. So there's an interesting dynamic called skew where both calls and puts are not necessarily at parity. For example, calls may be more expensive than puts and vice versa. Um, so right now it is kind of interesting that puts are pretty undervalued relative to you know what what the downside risk is um, but I think you can get a lot of other bullish or have some other you know strategies for selling um, a, a bullish you know play there so uh, it, instead of just selling a, a naked put there I would, I would definitely want to run that as a uh, put credit spread where you sell a uh, put slightly further out of the money there. Uh, you know, unless you have the the underlying there, which is probably how you're thinking. Um, a little more complex, but you definitely uh, allow yourself um, a little more defined risk profile when you do it that way. But when IV is really high on a stock that um, you know may have run up pretty high, like some of these tech names, uh, and are basically now consolidating at a lower level, probably getting ready to to move up. And I can get into some of the names in that in the sector uh, that you just hit on that I'm pretty bullish on. But if they're in that consolidation phase and the premium is still super high. Uh, there's a lot of great strategies you can use like a butterfly or an iron condor um, probably a little more complicated to explain on the air here than we got time for but um, those are basically different strategies both selling and buying puts that essentially take advantage of price moving within a defined range or not moving uh, up very quickly uh, and in those cases you just take advantage of the theta decay or just the um, decay in that options premium as time goes on and the price doesn't move very much, thus shrinking the range. Uh, so those strategies are pretty good right now, especially after a big drop. I think um, you know we, we potentially will see some of those premiums come down if we do continue to find ourselves in that balance range. Um, but this is probably a good time, I would think, even to get uh, some some more bullish just debit spreads buying yourself a call and then selling one slightly higher uh, to take advantage of some of the upside here and you can cap your risk of some selling or maybe getting in at a bad entry um, that way but I, I do like that that strategy a little more it's granted it's a little more aggressive um, getting yourself a, a nice uh, debit call spread there uh, but always you know having some selling some uh, put or call on whatever your position is definitely caps your your risk on the tail side. So I think that is a good strategy right now with premiums being pretty high to allow you to get some exposure on some expensive names that are definitely good plays. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, yeah, you make a good point with other strategies. Where I find myself often with covered calls and selling puts is the capping of the upside makes you question, well, like I'm bullish on the thing anyways. I probably buy it at any price on the way down, um, You know, especially if you're a multi- year, decade, or whatever investor. Um, so I think this actually happened to me in March and April. I was a little too aggressive with some covered call positions because I was still kind of fearful um, that you know we were going to see stocks go lower. And I was like, let's collect a little premium. Uh, I had plenty of names that were new in my portfolio, but blew right through the what the call was, um, got exercised out. So probably gave up a significant amount of gains. Um, but again, I think it was hard to tell in March and April if uh, March 23rd actually was the, the real bottom. So hindsight's 2020. Uh, but I think if you're a long-term investor, you have to be careful about trying to play games around capturing income uh, via selling premium. Um, yeah, let, let's go ahead and talk about some of your picks for the week. And yeah, if you have any closing thoughts on that as well. 
Yeah, just one quick thing there. So if you are looking to, to sell premium uh, and profit that way, uh, the best strategy is definitely to look probably 30 to 45 days out. There's a nice chart I can post on Twitter otherwise uh, that basically shows the theta decay um, being at the right range in 30 or 45 to 30 days. Once it gets closer in, especially with closer to at the money contracts, uh, then the option value definitely moves relative to the the underlying price. So you're more tied to the price versus just having the the value decrease over time as options actually do tend to do. So if you are looking to do um, you know one of these strategies, selling puts definitely look a little bit further out, like 30 or 45 days. Good stuff. Yeah, definitely haven't really been that strategic in terms of uh, how far out I'm going um, from a duration perspective. So good to hear that 30 45. Or, or buy to close that once it gets to about 50% done, just because that's that's when you capture the most profit and the last, rest of it, you're sweating it out for, you know, much closer to the, the, the end date. So take that 50% and reallocate your capital. Definitely. All right, let's go through some picks. Yeah, so I just want to hit a couple quick uh, little technical setups from last week that I really like and run through these pretty quickly. One uh, name I've thrown out a whole bunch um, is CrowdStrike, uh, which finished the week just above uh, 131 or just below 131.50, which is pretty key level. Um, that's above where it opened after earnings that sold off big despite having great earnings um, after a huge run up and then got caught in that big sell off. Um, off of the all-time high, highs in the indexes. Um, so a move above 134 and a close early in the week would definitely set up a big move, uh, potentially up to 141 or 142, which is what it closed at before earnings. Uh, it could even rip to an all-time high if we do see a nice bounce here and heavy buying of the dip. Uh, another name to throw out, Stitch Fix. Actually had to ask uh, Miss Impervious exactly what their business was <laughs> before coming on air. Not entirely sure, but they do some type of personal stylist uh, product for ladies, I believe. But anyways, uh, textbook cup and handle set up there going back to March uh, with Stitch Fix. And right now, I'm um, seeing some strong volume at the end of the week, closed above uh, 28 despite the selling actually closed up. So a break above 30 would definitely set up a real nice move uh, up to the 38 and 40 dollar range in a hurry with that cup and handle uh, and we saw that cup and handle play out on uh, Kratos, a defense um, company that makes uh, drones and directed energy weapons. Uh, called that one out a few weeks ago, finally broke over 20 bucks and is hold, held nicely, uh, almost hitting about 22 earlier this week, but um, has been burning off some of that overbought condition and is consolidating nicely above 21. So I see uh, KTOS continuing above uh, 25. And one one other one I wanted to toss out, um, saw a ton of call activity for Vale, uh, a Brazilian miner. Uh, and this is apparently uh, a Wall Street Bets type play. Um, they've been linked to Tesla as a key producer for nickel for their batteries. So everyone is hyping that and memeing it out. But uh, just an insane amount of call activity there. I don't know if I'm taking that play, but I feel like I got to call that one out. Otherwise, you know, expect to see a nice bounce in tech. Could totally be wrong. Could be a pie in the face. But um, at some point, people remember that these are still the, the hottest stocks in town and nothing like price to change sentiment. So if there is a bounce with as oversold, well, not quite oversold, but the most oversold has been in a while uh, in the queues, uh, there's definitely an opportunity for, for a nice quick move up um, if, if you get some, some confirmation there, but also, you know, potentially more selling, but, um, yeah, some quick, quick thoughts on stitch fix before you go on there. Uh, I'd be very interested to hear Mrs. Impervious's uh, thoughts there. Um, uh, it's a name I've looked at a little bit. Katrina Lake, who's the CEO of the company, also the founder, um, has done an incredible job building that company. It was on Patrick O'Shaughnessy's podcast. 
Um, pretty new public company. I, I think it IPO'd uh, just a few years ago. So I think the market's still kind of figuring it out in terms of what they do. Uh, it's not just women. It's also men and children. It's a subscription service for clothes. They also started recently selling one-off items. Um, there's kind of some data intelligence, machine learning, and even some human kind of styling packed into it. Um, they'll outfit you for clothes based on data you've given them and kind of discussions you've had with stylists. So interesting idea. I mean, I don't think there, again, there's not that many comps uh, out there in terms of like companies that have their business model. Uh, so we'll be interested to see what happens. But yeah, very exciting to hear the options activity. Uh, go, yeah, go ahead on if you have more picks. Yeah, I mean, at, at this point with a setup like that, you know, I don't really know what the business catalyst would be. Admittedly, don't really know the business too much. But at least looking at the chart with a nice volume spike and some accumulation act last week, strong move up and then, you know, sitting right below that key level with the cup and handle. I think all it would take is them announcing some partnership with Kim Kardashian, which brief sidebar, uh, seeing Facebook um, start drilling to the core of the earth after it was announced that Kim Kardashian was freezing her account last week as part of a, a larger boycott campaign. Did she, did she freeze her Instagram account or is it just Facebook? Well, I, I believe I saw it was just for a day, but her and many other celebrities. Just for a day. What a hero. <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, that, that selfless uh, sacrifice there. Um, but she and a bunch of other celebrities, I guess, uh, were doing this, the boycott, sort of the uh, propagation of, of hatred and, and untruths on Facebook, whatever. I don't know. I don't really care. But uh, the point being, she's definitely moved the number of tickers, Spotify, Glue Mobile, just on announcements that she's she signed a partnership. So if, if there was some type of Kim Kardashian rolled into TikTok type deal, you know, we'd see a number of tickers below. Well, I think you're forgetting what she's a big promoter of actually as a, I think a contract deal with uh, Crocs. So hopefully Crocs can also get a Kim Kardashian bump. Uh, it did. I mean, we, we talked about this last podcast, but raising guidance is a real nice surprise for shareholders. Um, hopefully there's more to come out of Crocs and uh, Kim Kardashian sponsorship there. Uh, but yeah, Facebook, I mean, this goes without saying, but as a shareholder, it's like, we're seeing this for the billionth time, you know, people getting really upset every time anything happens that is moderately upsetting, like Facebook is to blame. And you know, it, it doesn't surprise me, right? Because you have crazy people out there on the platform, and it's hard to get through everyone. Could they do a better job? Sure. Is this like a grossly mismanaged company? No, all you have to do is look at what Zuckerberg and Sandberg and that management team has done over years and years. Um, I, honestly, I, I could go on a rant here, but I'll, I'll avoid doing so. There's on Twitter, you know, specifically some kind of supposed thought leaders have just been really kind of heated about Facebook and have a lot to say about the last couple of weeks and, and years. And it's also like you have to realize that this company has a place in our society. They do provide value add services. There are issues, but you know, they're going to get worked out and you have to, you have to be pragmatic at finding a solution. Zuckerberg's not the problem. Sandberg's not the problem. Um, look what they've done for shareholders. Look at the platform they've built. There are ways to go about this that are, are more productive than just yelling at each other. That, that's it. Rant over on Facebook. Well, I think it might also have something to do with the FTC announcing an antitrust probe, but um, I, don't, I didn't see any indictments. I think that might have a bigger deal, you know, a lot more to do with it. But definitely, you know, I, I see Kim, Kim K being a big mover and shaker. And uh, certainly if she found her way into day trading as more of an inclusive uh, woman friendly um, Davey day trader, I would certainly buy calls from Kim. I mean, the FTC probe also is like nothing really new. I mean, Facebook has been part of, I want to say at least like half a dozen probes over the last five years. So this is, this comes with the territory if you play in the social media space. You know, I, again, try not to react too strongly as a shareholder and 
keep my uh, my bias out of it as someone who owns stock. But I just think the reaction is is overdone. Looking, I'll look to add to my position on weakness. Just buy the dip. Buy the dip. All right. Uh, any more on picks, or should we go on to um, the scores on some of our bets and the week to come? Well, a couple of these are going to be in my picks for our weekly stock picking game here, which everyone can get in on. Uh, ben tweets that out delightful, and we'll definitely get back to our weekly playing after our little summer vacations. But one more play to call out. I like Cloudflare coming up this week. Uh, strong finish on uh, Friday with a nice volume spike, finishing above 37 It's been working its way back to its balance zone uh, between $39 and 40 But um, I know that's a play you like and one to stick in, but I still see tech being pretty, pretty undervalued in some ways at the moment. I think AMD sitting just below 75 bucks, actually, you know, staring over the edge of the cliff, um, you know, is a company that's definitely made up market share has, has had some materially significant information indicating that there is some justification to its value hasn't had some of the insane, uh, in, uh, inflation and blow off top is, is some of the other names like Tesla. So I think this is definitely an opportunity by the dip there for AMD. Yep. Uh, that, that's definitely a name I want to add to, um, but just getting the positioning right, uh, is the concern there. Hughes and Berkshire. It's going to be a nice update for you. All right. Uh, Hughes and Berkshire. So this, these are from May 1st, 2020. Um, uh, I've narrowed the gap a ton. So you are up 25%. I'm up 19 and a half percent. Market is up 17 percent. So Berkshire and the Qs um, outperforming the market, which is pretty impressive. That was something that was not true um, during the beginning of COVID. So Berkshire, I actually did this analysis. If you look at it from um, June 1st, and if you do that, uh, Berkshire is up about 19 to 15. So cyclicals have come back a lot. I think the market's starting to get a handle on Berkshire's private business and understand that's going to produce. Um, a lot higher expected cash flows than perhaps was expected at uh, the beginning of COVID. Obviously, Apple has run a ton, but um, you, know, you, you got to remember with Berkshire, they own best in class businesses. So you know, whether it's Amex or Coca-Cola or Moody's, you know, it's like they have players that dominate the market and um, really, in my opinion, weren't going to be impacted by COVID that much on a, a long time horizon. So glad the market's starting to see that. Um, I'm pretty confident that I, I think at this point, I'd rather own Berkshire than the Qs. Um, you know, from the beginning, I suppose. So uh, I, I think this is maybe the first time where I'm like, I really think I can win this bet. Well, still still bullish on Qs, but the only thing I want to say here is there was a pretty impressive 52 million share block of Apple that just got dumped right at the last second on Friday. So I wonder if that's Margaritaville saying that he's definitely long himself and short on the, uh, the tech bubble on, uh, from here on out. Um, on MGM versus CrowdStrike, I uh, made this bet August 10th. Um, not even close, dude. You are up uh, 35% to 1%. So MGM kind of got punished a bit this week. I, I had kind of a, a tweet thread about this, but I think people are seeing the launch of the Barstool app and kind of looking at what Penn's doing um, with Barstool. And, and I mean, that was the number one app in the app store. If you, MGM not only doesn't have a single app, they have four or five apps, all of which are ranked 80th or less. Um, they're just not really as high quality a name as Penn, at least in the market's mind. I, I still think the the value case for MGM is quite good. Um, but MGM hardly up since uh, that ISC announcement. So nice, uh, nice win there. I think I'd rather own CrowdStrike at this point. Well, I still allow you some time to switch up your bet, maybe do a best ball here. I know you like MGM as this fulfillment uh, layer for, for betting, but if, if you wanted to average in some DraftKings and some Penn, uh, I'd still take... Um, 
some some cloud-based cybersecurity over over betting at this this present point in time and moving forward. Definitely. Uh, I, I would take you up on that. Um, on Crocs versus Skechers, you're also up on this one for the first time um, since August 17th. Skechers is about a 4% return. Crocs has really given up all the gains it came it got since uh, increasing guidance, so only up 2.5% from August 17th. Really surprised. I think the market is not giving it credit for, uh, for raising guidance. How many, uh, e- how many retail companies, because I, I still consider Crocs mainly retail, they're still shifting to, to e-commerce, uh, online sales. But like, there aren't companies that are playing in the shoe space that are raising guidance right now. So a market feels a little bit slow on the Crocs story. Uh, definitely want to add more to that position, not weakness. Will wintertime be a boon on Crocs sales, I wonder? Or is this a great time for Margaritaville to add some Crocs to his portfolio? Maybe uh, it's, it's a total Buffett company. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Buffett came into that name. So maybe, uh, maybe we can double up the bets and I'll have... Uh, Crocs rolled into the Berkshire bet. Well, uh, with Skechers coming out with some boots this winter, I don't know if that's true, but hopefully they make boots. I, I definitely like the, the seasonal advantage there on, on this stock. I did very little uh, research in before betting against Crocs, but I still feel very strongly about it. Good to hear. We'll, we'll see what comes down Skechers pipeline. All right. Uh, finally, our daily fantasy sports for the week ahead. Um, it's been a while since we did one of these. Uh, apologies to the listeners for taking vacation and not really updating pricing on a week-to-week basis, but we're back. Um, would you like to go over your lineup first? Well, real quick, I did want to say I like your square long pick. They they were a nice play for me last week, just playing the bounce ripped on on Wednesday. So I, I definitely like them to just you know be a lather, rinse, repeat, nice rebound this week. But um, I'm be- basically thinking uh, nice, nice big bounce and rebound on a lot of the tech names and, and names that I've talked about before uh, for the week ahead. So uh, a couple names that I got on the list. So for for yet probably the third or fourth week I've done this, we got CrowdStrike as a long play. Uh, I mentioned that one earlier. We got Stitch Fix in there. Also, Apple, uh, like a nice bounce here. I mean, you can only go so long before you remember this is still the uh, best stock to own in the entire market. Uh, let's see what's up with Vale here. Uh, I'll throw them in, even though they're not quite in the salary yet, but I think that should be a nice price based on the premiums I've been seeing in the options. Uh, we'll go long in Cloudflare, and since TikTok is going through, uh, let's do a Walmart long, seeing a lot of options activity and a penny stock type price movement there. But you know, this could be the week for a breakout since it sounds like that TikTok deal is going through. Not that I've played any actual options on it, but I can play fantasy make-believe game options on it. You know, I've yet, I'm sure someone's done it, but I've yet to read any good analysis on the value Walmart's going to extract out of that TikTok deal. And I could be proven a fool here. I'm sure this could be the next incredible e-commerce advertising platform, uh, but not sure of the details of that deal. Really unsure of what Oracle stands to gain. So we shall see. Uh, I, I, I could be a sneaky deal where both companies make out like bandits, uh, but really odd how the whole kind of TikTok transaction went down. Very 2020 thing in terms of how it happened. Or this could just be the the death knell for for TikTok, and the kids move on to something else that is uh, for even shorter attention spans and even newer. I'll give you a, a side uh, end of the podcast question to kind of get your opinion on. I actually feel like I started to appreciate the strength of TikTok a bit. Uh, reading about this whole McDonald's Travis Scott promotion, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but 
Uh, well, McDonald's is having supply chain issues and can't provide uh, the Travis Scott meal. I think it's like some variant of barbecue fries and a burger and some other things you get in this meal. Uh, but you know, this whole TikTok thing happened of people driving up to the McDonald's drive-thru and blasting that uh, sicko mode song. Uh, became very viral, obviously resulted in uh, a lot of orders for the Travis Scott meal, but all distributed via t- TikTok. So it seems like TikTok at least does have some value as kind of a, a meme viral platform. I've also heard it's pretty difficult to monetize from an advertising standpoint, whereas Facebook is basically in a lot of ways almost ground up made for very personalized advertising. It does seem like it's harder for a lot of the uh, content producers and creators on TikTok apparently uh, to really make value or, or capitalize on their following unless it's, it's a means to get them onto a different platform. So I don't uh, honestly use TikTok or ha- have the app on, on my phone. Obviously got a lot of sensitive uh, secrets uh, that are of, of national security interest um, that I need to keep safe. But um, there's obviously a massive audience and that's where something but at the very least walmart and oracle have gotten some pr here and at least entered into the consciousness of robin hood and retail investors which has got to be worth something even if i'm not entirely sure what what dollars and cents this makes the real business yeah i'll be interested to keep an eye on it uh i think with facebook it took them a couple years to figure out the monetization um snapchat i I feel like is still kind of figuring it out so tiktok being such a new platform it's like how many ad dollars Um, Can you actually get out of this thing? So we shall see. Uh, I'll quickly fly through my picks for DFS. Um, I went all along just like you did. But basically, I just tried to pick high-quality tech names. These are all things I own in my actual portfolio. So ServiceNow, Twilio, Fastly, um, SPY. Just kind of just want to be long the market right now. Um, Gold and Apple. So feeling pretty good. Um, I think I got a a good mix of high-volatility and low-volatility names. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, that's all I got, buddy. Any closing words? Time is up. Just closing with uh, Travis Scott also launched a clothing line that I wonder if they were more successful uh, making those t-shirts than McDonald's was making their hamburgers. So uh, also fascinated in the business impact of, of Travis Scott. Um, Can we get a Travis Scott spec? I, I think that's something that would be a friend of the podcast. I think we're about five to 10 trading days away from that happening. Can't wait. All right, buddy. Happy trading. Happy trading to you, sir. Until next time. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes of Stock Talking and read a blog with my latest trade recommendations, market commentary, and more, visit postcoronastocks.com. Thank you.